Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mac owns a Cowboys jersey. I saw him wearing it in the back office. What? what? Uh, That's a secret D? Yeah, what are you? Don't say it's Romo. Of course Romo? it's Romo. Who else would it be? How about them Cowboys indeed? Okay, we're at the last week. It's week 18. It's Cowboys Eagles. We've got Bo Wolf of the Birds with Friends podcast joining us again to talk Cowboys Eagles, of course. But we've got the three best friends that anybody could have when it comes to all things Dallas Cowboys. It's Saad Yusuf, KT Turner, and Father John Mashoda of The Athletic. I'm Kent. Welcome in to another About Them Cowboys here on The Athletic Podcast Network. KT, we made it to the end of the season, baby. Yeah, hard to believe it's already the end of the year. Or maybe it's not for some of you. I don't really know. Uh, it's been a weird year for everyone. Cowboys have the Saturday night game this time at Philadelphia. Uh, John was out at the star today. John, we'll start with you. What news did you get from the star? Do you have a better vibe of how the Cowboys are going to attack Saturday night's game with guys playing and not playing? I know it's early in the week as we record this on Tuesday night for those of you uh, listening later in the week. Uh, yeah, what did you find out today out there, man? All right, so no going to the star. Haven't been doing that for the last oh, couple sorry. weeks yeah. now. That's all right. Um, Zoom calls, though, that's fun. John has been going, despite the protocols. John's yeah. been, he's been Mission impossible in his way in for some coverage, for just for the podcast. There's there's this area where there's no trees by the fence, and I just stand over there. Binoculars. Yeah. He's got a telescope. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Um, so I would say the biggest things are that it seems like all systems are go, that they're going to be playing everybody, uh, at least early on, like it's a regular season game that, they need to win. I don't know if that means that they're going to play these starters throughout the entire game. Maybe it just means a first half type thing, but I certainly think that you're going to see Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, CD lamb, you know, Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, whatever other starters you can think of. Uh, I expect to see them out there at least to start the game. We'll see where it goes from there. Um, but I found it interesting that the Vegas lines at seven right now, which would be pretty much where I would put it at if I expected both teams to have their starters playing. So anyway, uh, Today was a walkthrough practice, so um, what they did there is a little bit of a abbreviation of from what their normal practice report would be. So because of that, uh, the only th- three players that were on it were Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, and J. Ron Curse. J. Ron Curse, if it was a normal practice, would, would have been limited. He's dealing with a hamstring issue. Um, so th- those three would be of note. The other one is that Blake Jarwin has – they've opened his window to return – and he practiced really well. He didn't practice. He worked very well over the last 10 days, Mike McCarthy said yesterday. So uh, they, he appears to be trending in the right direction. Possibly could play Saturday. If not, then he could be back for the playoff game. So 
Uh, obviously, that's good news considering that Michael Gallup has been lost for the season, so that adds another uh, receiving option. But for the most part, just like it was going into the Cardinals game, which is why we thought that they would win, uh, the Cowboys are in relatively good health. Do you think it makes sense to go ahead and line up and go hard for four quarters, or do you think we're talking about a half? I know it's early in the week, man. I know there's a lot to kind of figure out, but uh, I guess my vibe all along is like they'll they'll run out there for a few series and then they'll start pulling back the troops. Yeah, I, I don't think it makes much sense to be playing all of these guys the entire way like you're trying to win a regular season game that's going to help you either make the playoffs or help your playoff seating. It's just very, very low chance that it's going to do that. It's a much greater chance that you get somebody hurt playing an entire game. Um, and why that can happen in any NFL game, that's fine, but why not – treat this as your buy. That's what you wanted. You know, you wanted that one seed, so you get a buy. Why not treat this like that? And if they had played better last week and they were sitting here right now, I think they might do that. But because they didn't play well against the Cardinals, I feel like they're trying to spark something. I don't know if three, four, five series to start a game do that. Uh, the other thing, though, like Mike McCarthy points out, and I think it is a good valid point, like this isn't college football where there's like 100 guys on the bench that they're just like, we're just going to play the the backup 52. Like you only got 46 guys. Like they're going to have to play some of these guys, you know, you can't just, cause here's, here's the thing. Like if you just go in this game, you're like, we're not playing all of our normal starters. Well, then what happens if one of your backups get hurt? Who are you playing? You're not going to have anybody, you know, it's not like the, the rosters are that depth that, that deep, you know? So I do think it's a good, a good chance for like Cooper rush to get in there in the second half. Uh, get some more reps from Malik Turner, Noah Brown. Like I said, if Blake Jarwin's able to come back, some of these guys that haven't been doing as much, uh, some of your other offensive linemen, things like that, that all makes sense. Playing their starters the entire game does not make sense. Yeah, and, and there's a couple of things on that. Like, first of all, I think, uh, you know, play, I, I do think you treat it kind of like a traditional third preseason game, basically, um, where you play guys for a little bit and then let the let the backups kind of come in. And I think, that's probably the right approach. I was actually listening earlier today to uh to a Tom Brady podcast when he was what that the Let's Go podcast he does with like Jim Gray or whatever uh every week and and you know like obviously Brady has has been uh in that situation a lot in his career with like a meaningless last game of the season. He kind of talked about how you know you you don't really want like if you're going to be out there, you're going to want to go full speed no matter what. So like you can't necessarily ask them to you know, if you're going to put players out there, they're they're just going to play football, and that's the way that it should be. Because if you look to avoid injuries, then that's usually when you do get hurt. Um, the other thing, to John's point about there being a limited number of players, I don't think I I wouldn't even like have a huge problem if they played their guys for most of the game or whatever. Because to me, it's not about who's on the field; it's about what kind of plays you're calling, right? So, like, like to me, it's like don't. Don't like don't call a bunch of ten yard in routes or slants or something where you're putting your receiver in a position that he's gonna get lit up by a linebacker or Zeke running in between tackles and, and, and you know running in between guards and things like that. To me, it's more just like if you're gonna if you're going to be in that play it safe zone a little bit, then you probably want to just call plays a certain way and make sure that you're just not putting yourself in uh you're putting your players in harm's way because i think that's what we see a lot of times with quarterbacks as well you know when they throw medicine balls basically in through the middle of the field and and lead their receivers into safeties and linebackers those are the kind of plays i think you want to avoid this week 
Now, John, I saw your tweet. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, I guess, talked to the media a little bit today via Zoom, and he mentioned that he does want to play and that uh, that 1,000-yard marker, which he is at 915, I believe. Uh, or I'm sorry, maybe he's at 925. That 1,000-yard mark is what he uh, he would really like to get that. Um, I know that generated a little bit of response online. Man, I, I go back to the best Zeke that we've seen over the last two years was a rested Zeke. Uh, there's a couple games where, whether it was a long week or coming off of a bye, I feel like those were the best forms of Zeke. Uh, to me, it doesn't make any sense at all for Zeke to play at all this week. I'm wondering if there's some type of thing in his contract, maybe a 1,000-yard clause, maybe. They could kick in some extra cash. But, uh, yeah, what would you think about all that stuff? Um, I think it's asking for a lot to even get there, even if they were playing to win. Uh, with their starters. I mean, where is this running game made you think that they're going to get even 75? Yeah. Zeke's going to get 75. Well, I, I, maybe I missed those games. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess if the Eagles are just decimated by COVID and nobody's playing for them, then yeah, he'd probably go out there and get 75 to 100 yards or whatever. I just, the biggest issue with this team right now is they can't run the football. They ran for 45 yards last week. So worse since McCarthy's been a head coach. I mean, so think that they'd be happy if Zeke got to 75 or whatever he needs. I didn't even look it up. I probably should have done that, but it's uh, 85 yards is what he yeah. needs. I mean, like a thousand yards. I mean, does that matter anymore? Yeah. A thousand, last a thousand yards is watered down. It, I understand he says that. it does. Yeah. Well, I also asked him earlier in the year and he said that the rushing title didn't matter to him at all. It was, it was more about just uh, winning a, a Super Bowl. you know? So it's like, I think he's saying that right now and that, and that's fine. Um, but I just like even a thousand yards, like in a 17 game season is a thousand yards, like this great, like marker anymore. Like, but like it, it used to be back in like, you know, for Emmett and Barry and guys like that. Like, I just, I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, I agree with you though, KT. I remember saying that multiple times last year that those were his best games. You know, it was the, the season opener. Cause obviously he didn't play right before that. It was coming off their bye week. It was, um, I think it was when they had the long rest after maybe it was Thanksgiving. And then there was the other, he missed one game uh, and they, and they kept him out. And the next game he played in was the best game. One of the best games he had in the season. So by, by all means, that makes a lot more sense. Have him ready for the rematch against the Cardinals. And hopefully you get something fixed in the running game uh, because what he does there matters more than anything is going to do against the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. And just by the way, if 85 yards, if that's the marker, he's only hit that marker three times this season. And it was three consecutive games, September 27th against the Eagles, October 3rd against Carolina, October 10th against the Giants. So since October 10th, he has not hit 85 yards, let alone 100 um, or anything like that. So uh, as John said, even with a full, like even if you're going full strength all the way, I, I don't think he really would have much of a chance to hit 85. And I know we can talk about this in the next podcast and all that, but because this game is so meaningless to me, I want to touch on this at least a little bit. I'm mm-hmm. so eager to watch that that playoff game because I want to see what they look like when it is win or go home. Because for too much of this season, there has been the starting out 6-1, and one, playing in a dump, dumpster fire division. Like your back is never really against the wall where you have to really show all of your cards. And so I'm I'm interested to see how... If Tony Pollard, let's say early on against the Cardinals, has the hot hand, I would not be surprised if he ends up with more carries. We haven't seen that up to this point, but we also, how many times have we seen them have a game that they absolutely had to, they didn't even have to win a game to win the NFC East. It was settled for them like an hour and 45 minutes before that game started. Like they have not truly had their backs against the wall until they absolutely, and, and the reason why I say this is because it's like, 
So your backs are against the wall against Arizona. You absolutely might, you absolutely must score. And you pull out that Cedric Wilson pass to Tony Pollard. That was just yeah. a fantastic play. That Cedric Wilson. I mean, Cedric Wilson has never thrown an incomplete pass in his NFL career. He's a former quarterback. Like he pulled that out then because you had to win the game. So I'm wondering what happens when you play that when you play that team again. Like I just and I don't know if this is me be just being an idiot, but like I find it hard to believe that they've gone and shown everything that they have in every game up until this point. And obviously you're not going to see that Saturday night against the Eagles in a meaningless game. So that's one of the things. When we talk about Zeke, we talk about Tony Pollard. I'm interested to see what that looks like against an Arizona Cardinals or the Rams, whoever they face in that first first uh, playoff game. Uh, when it is win or go home. because And the reason why I say this is because it's just hard to listen to Mike McCarthy every week talk about like ramping up towards the end of the season. This is when you need to be at your best. This is what matters. Yeah. Uh, it's all about the playoffs. He knows that's how he's going to be judged is what he does in the postseason. And then I see them play vanilla and boring for most of that, that Cardinals game on offense. And I'm kind of like, did they really show everything that 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 they have? Like, were they really absolutely trying to win that game with everything that they that they were gonna like? I felt that way towards the end. Started going a little bit more up tempo. Like I said, bring out that Cedric Wilson play, doing some more things like that. Everything everything was like clicking. Then I'm just kind of like, did they wait too long to show that because they didn't want to show too much early because they were like, hey, we might be facing this Cardinals team and we don't want to show everything that we're, we could potentially do against them. I don't know, but I think it's it's all valid just because of the way Mike McCarthy has talked all season long. And because of his resume of say whatever you want about him, but his team's always made the playoffs. So he's obviously experienced in playoff football. Yeah. No, I, I think there's something to be said too. Like this is a four game winning streak before the Arizona game, but three of those wins were sleepwalking wins. That fourth win, you looked like you like that was the game again, Washington. So it's hard. You're throwing a lot out there, but like that new Orleans game, the first Washington game, the giants game all looked like sleepwalking wins. And then all of a sudden you had this high-powered, high-charged offense on Sunday night. They gave you four runs in a row. You think back to the season. When was this team put in their uh, quote-unquote back back against the wall? Okay, Tampa Bay on week one. That's kind of a house money game though, right? No one's expecting you to go win that game, but you win it. Week one, you can't tell a lot. They got that game against the Chargers, which they squeaked out. The Patriots game comes to mind. There weren't a lot of close games all year. I look at... Tampa Bay, who I know has played uh, quite a few tight games this year, and they've had some uh, uh, plenty of sleepwalking moments as well. Green Bay's had a lot of games where they've been challenged and found a way to win somehow, but they didn't necessarily look great and put together a full game. I think about that Arizona game, the first one. Um, we saw what happened against Baltimore uh, with them, but they've had you know they've had a lot of moments of like close games where you can go, man, they should have lost that game. Um, Dallas hadn't had a ton of that where it's like, oh, they should have lost. Like they they haven't had as much adversity as maybe or we might be or the Cowboy fan out there might be prone to think because here they are with a with a decent record. I, I still can't quite figure it out is going back. What I do know is like when the Cowboys were winning games this year uh, in, a, in a manner that was, uh, um, I guess, made your offense look explosive. Go look at the rushing yards per game. They're getting 150 plus rushing yards a game. And you look at their losses, they were not getting that. And it all kind of goes back to that. This team going to be able to run the ball or not? Because one thing Mike McCarthy's preaching going into December and winning, well, it's also need to go run the ball a little bit. And I didn't really see it try to run the ball <laughs> on Sunday. Um, I don't think you'll see anything of consequence that matters on Saturday night. But until that offense returns, 
then I think it's not even realistic to expect the Dak Prescott that we know to return because that offense had put up some put up some astounding rushing yard numbers in the first half of the season, and that's just been gone. Yeah, and I think I, I think with the rushing yards, there there's a lot of obvious caveats that come with that too, right? Like, I mean, if you're up late in games, you're obviously running the ball more, and you know how you get up is is a different story. Whether you're throwing the ball to get up or running the ball to get up, but I do think that we're at a point. And rightfully so. I don't care what Zeke is making because Dak is now making uh, big time money too. As is Amari Cooper. Yeah. As is Blake Jarwin. Like it doesn't matter. This is not 2016 anymore. The run doesn't. The run should not be used to set up the pass. The pass needs to set up the run. So unless Dak and Amari and that crew gets right, then the running, the, then the blame on the running game for me is secondary to that because they need to get those defenders out of the box. And and make it easier on the running on the running game than than it to be vice versa the way it was earlier in Dak's career. And that's a disheartening thing about the Cardinals game is that you just it's not like they have these like shut down defensive backs I and mean, their best defensive back in the game is Buda Baker and and the, and the biggest plays he made were ones that were near the line of scrimmage. Yeah, right. Like I just the whole like because my whole thing I keep going back to is like yeah it's a big loss to lose Michael Gallup because I know how talented of a player he is. But if you weren't allowed to like know anything about the players' backgrounds or anything that happened before this season, you just watch the Cowboys, you wouldn't even know that Michael Gallup was a good player because he was never really even utilized. I mean, when he was healthy, yeah. they never really took advantage of having those three receivers out there together. They played their best ball when they didn't even have Michael Gallup. They were six and one without him. Like it, it doesn't make any sense. And it'd be one thing if I if I like really had thought that the Cardinals just were, yeah, man. You just watch them on the back end, and those are some shutdown corners. It's hard to get any space. What? Yeah. Makes no sense. So the Cowboys are pretty much locked in at the four. They could move up if they had some losses, but all those games would be played on Sunday. So they're the four. It's likely looking like uh, Kyler and the Cardinals rematch, but obviously some things could change on Sunday. Uh, we're going to have Bo Wolf from Birds with Friends on in a few minutes. I do, since you brought up Michael Gallup, we should talk about that for a second. Um, I know we talked about it for a second, on um, on Sunday after the game. But one thing that we should talk about is like odds that he's back. I, I did a little research here. Um, and the only name I could come up with of a guy, and if there's someone that y'all remember, throw it out there, as a guy who went, got hurt, and then didn't play much of that year and then signed a pretty big po- contract next year is Allen Robinson. Uh, in 2017, tore his ACL in September and then signed a three-year, $42 million deal with the Bears in 2018. So that tells you it's been done. The case study has been done of you know guys being signed. Now, some some ACL, some guys don't come back. Keaton Allen, obviously, is a guy who came back. Jordy Nelson's a guy who came back. Um, uh, kind of a bit of a blast from the past a little bit. But Jeremy Macklin came back and put together some pretty good seasons. Reggie Wayne put together some pretty good seasons after ACL uh, or after an ACL tear. But there's also plenty of names that you can go look up of guys who you just never heard of again. So, you know, I, I think Michael Gallup, we know who he is, what kind of uh, worker he is, what kind of person and player he is. Very young in his career. I I don't think it's crazy. I think Michael Gallup's going to be back. I'd love to see a scenario where he could return to the Cowboys on a cheap deal that's based on, hey, we're, we're tight, we know you, you can uh, rebuild your value. But I really don't know. There's not a lot of history here that shows you what happens when guys tear their ACL at the end of December and are free agents. There's just not a ton of 
ton of track record there with wide receivers. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think the ACL injury is just, you know, like you mentioned, KT, it's just not what it used to be. I don't, I don't think that it's some big debilitating injury. Uh, yeah, I know you mentioned all those receivers. I think it really, really, it goes back to Adrian Peterson, right? Remember when mm-hmm. he tore his ACL, uh, like last, last week of December and then, uh, came back and ran for like 2000 yards essentially. So I, I, I think that the injury itself is just not the way that it used to, it, it's not looked at. And, you know, you talk about what a worse injury is. I think rupturing your Achilles is worse. And you have Cam Akers in Los Angeles for the Rams who ruptured his Achilles in July and is back playing right now. And I know, again, different positions, but it's still, you know, it's still football and you're still, you're still going out there and doing that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that I, I think Gallup will be back. He'll be fine. He's a young guy. Um, he's not, he's not one of those guys who's a shifty slot receiver who, you know, might, might, might rely on that more. I mean, even Wes Welker tore his ACL in the last game of a season, uh, against the Texans when he was with the Patriots and went on to be just fine. So, uh, I, I don't really have any concerns about Gallup, about whether he as a player will be back, whether he comes back with the Cowboys. I think that's more, uh, that's more up for debate. Yeah, I don't think it's highly likely unless he is willing to just do a one-year type of like, hey, I'm just going to try and get right and then get back to free agency the following year. But because of, like you said, how fast players have been able to overcome some of these things, I could still see a team throwing some money at him, and the Cowboys are not going to get in a bidding war for him. Uh, They'll draft another receiver like they did to get him. Uh, They're just too much money tied up in in different players that for them to – I never thought that they were really going to be in it for Gallup, but now because of the injury, maybe that gives him a chance because he wants to just sign like a one-year prove-it deal that might be have a lot of incentives if he reaches certain things and he gets a certain dollar amount. But uh, there are just so many pieces that they still have to pay and and address in free agency. I just – I don't know. It just doesn't seem – it doesn't seem great for him. Obviously, it's it's awful time for that to happen, but I certainly do think he's going to play football again and play at a high level. Well, yeah. yeah I, go ahead, Zod. Well, I, I just think in the in the question of coming back to Dallas, like Amari Amari does have an out in his contract uh, after this season, and I am kind of curious as to how much that decision is going to be on the table, uh, given the struggles that Amari has had. He's always he's perpetually hurt. All the time, not never really injured, but he's always hurt, and I, I do kind of wonder if that is a decision, especially if Gallup is going to go cheaper. If that's a decision the Cowboys do feel they can make, because you're you're right. I don't think that I, I don't think that you can add Gallup to the mix. But if you're saying goodbye to Amari and then you uh, re-sign Gallup, I think that's more of a realistic uh, situation if Gallup is coming back to Dallas. As we sit here today, I, w- I would not do that personally. I would rather keep Amari Cooper. I know it hasn't worked out well this season, but um, I just think he has a better connection with Dak. I mean, like I said, if you didn't know anything about the team you're just watching this season, you wouldn't even know that Dak and Michael Gallup had any connection at all. I mean, like I said, there's how many of these teams even have two good corners, much less three to be shutting down a third guy, and no one's game planning to shut down Michael Gallup, and they're just it just there has not been the production that you'd expect. So now you can say the same thing about CD, I mean, about uh, Amari Cooper, too. Um, but I still think that they feel more comfortable with him. Uh, either way, though, I mean, that's pretty yeah. much been shown in, right. in the NFL draft that you can you can address this position better than any other position with how every single year it's like you see these mock drafts come out and they're like, look at all these wide receivers. Yeah, cool. There's that many wide receivers in every draft class. Like it's it's the easiest position to, to fix going college to pro nowadays. Uh, okay, quick yeah. question. 
Quick question for you, bring Bo in. Would you rather have Cedric Wilson next year at one year at $2 million, or Michael Gallup at one year at $6 million, and he joins the team middle of October? Yeah, Cedric. I'd rather have Cedric Wilson. And and I think that is the other thing. By the way, like just the last thing on that on that discussion with John is is that, you know, uh John mentioned the Cowboys were six and one. They built up their entire credibility as the number one offense in the NFL without Gallup. That they've been riding that cushion, those stats from the first half of the season, uh, to to keep that status as the number one offense, and that came without Gallup. And then Amari missed two weeks because of COVID. And I know that just happened to be in the middle of uh, of a tough stretch for the Cowboys, but that's just the way it looks. But, um, but yeah, KT, to your point, definitely Cedric. I'll, for that money, you definitely take Cedric Wilson over Gallup. Here, would you rather have Michael Gallup or JJ Ortega Whiteside? Oh, that's a good Eagles? question. That's a good question for <laughs> Bo Wolf of Birds yeah, with I think Friends, so. who joins us now. He joined us back in week three, if you remember, and you if you listen to Birds with Friends at all. A good thing to do this week as we get ready for Cowboys and Eagles on Saturday night in a game that may mean nothing at all. Uh, Bo, thanks for joining us again, man. Uh, thank you guys for having me. I was going to say I'm glad Kent brought it up because uh, when John said that, the first thing I thought was uh, J.J. Ortega Whiteside and Jalen Rager beg to differ about how easy it is to find receivers in the draft. <laughs> I like Jalen Rager. I was going to slander my TCU, uh, my TCU boy. You're the only I'll one. You're JJ. the only one left. I think. <laughs> I know. Uh, I, I would have N- Hey, come on. Nelson Aguilar too. Could I throw that in there? Yeah, I He's mean, he turned terrible. out all right, all things considered, uh, especially yeah. given uh, everything that has come come since. But uh, for now, Devontae Smith has has changed the Eagles' ways in terms of draft wide receivers. Yeah, he's pretty fun to watch. So it's Tuesday night here as we record this, just so our audience knows right now. Uh, your vibe on Saturday night, how hard are the Eagles going to play for this? Uh, not very hard is my – well, I think they're going to play hard. It's just that their guys who are play, who are good are not going to play. Um, there are, there are several reasons for this. Um, one is that it like, it really doesn't matter for the Eagles at all, just incentive wise, um, win or lose, they're still more, uh, very likely to be going to Tampa Bay. Uh, and that's sort of because of like the symbiosis between the Rams Niners game and, uh, and the, the, the Bucks, like if the Rams win, the Bucks are less likely to get the, the two. If the Niners win, the Eagles are more likely to get the six anyway, even if they lose. Um, so from that vantage point, it doesn't make sense. Like they have nothing to play for. Uh, two, like there are guys on the team who are banged up. Uh, this team had a very late buy. Uh, they, they had the, the last buy possible in, in week 14. So they built up a lot of, uh, you know, uh, nicks and injuries over the course of that time. And and then after that, they had the uh, the two games in like eight days because that one game got pushed to Tuesday against Washington. So they played three games in, uh, you know, whatever it is, uh, whatever the short span is. And there are and there are players on the team who, who are uh, like affected by these injuries, most notably Jalen Hurts, who was dealing with a, an ankle injury that uh, for those first two games back really affected his running ability, and that is like that's his superpower, right? That's what makes the offense run is his ability to run. Um, and so to give him an extra week, especially, let alone guys like you know Jason Kelsey who are older and and, and are you know banged up, and their left tackle Jordan Mailata has been dealing with an injury, and he had his worst game of the season last week. So like that makes sense for them to rest guys. And then on top of all of that, you know they had twelve guys test positive uh, and go on the COVID list on Monday. 
um, including guys like Kelsey and Fletcher Cox and all of the guys who are on the list are guys who played like significant snaps last week. I think it would be silly not to not to imagine that that was planned to some degree, not like, you know, go get COVID, but like go get tested <laughs> now just in case, because if you do get positive, if you don't play this week, that's fine. You'll be back and you won't have to be tested in the playoffs. So uh, I think all indications are that the Eagles are going to play this um, you know, as as conservatively as possible, which, to, to be fair, is what I would do in the same situation. I mean, what a crazy story it would have been if Jalen Hurts would have, like, hurt his ankle or his knee yeah. or something when that railing fell over. Seriously. Like, that is absurd, like, how close that was to, like, I mean, it's, it's crazy that everybody's fine, at least. I mean, I heard that some people dealt with some injuries, but right. not, only, not only that, I mean— Put aside that it's par for the course for that dump of a stadium. The worst. But, but that, I mean, literally, it's one of those things if somebody was just like, hey, did you hear that some fans almost fell on a player? Guess what stadium it happened yeah, at? exactly. Oh, I don't need any, I don't need any options. I got this one. No, but uh, it's just crazy to watch those replays from all those different angles and be like, I can't believe nobody really, really got hurt from that. Were you, did and you, you see, see that? I mean, like, I'm, oh, obviously yeah. you didn't see it, but like, were you, did you, did you make the trip? Uh, well, it's it's funny because you said you know it's the worst stadium in the league, and because of that reason, they were they went virtual uh, for the press conferences for this game because okay. that uh, press conference room is so small they couldn't make it safe COVID wise to have reporters. And I love going to games in like in any stadium in the league. I'm ra- I'd rather watch the game live uh, than watch it on TV, and then I'll deal with the the virtual press conference from the press box. Except for there, because you can't see the game. So yeah, so I actually watch the game from home. Um, but yeah, I saw the, I saw the, the fall, obviously everybody has seen it. And I do think like some people have talked about, like, it's crazy to see how like an example of, uh, Jalen Hurts staying cool under pressure. It is like, he really is like very not affected by it, uh, by it at all. Just sort of sidesteps it and then starts taking pictures with guys and helping people up. It was like, he is like in his, in his bones, he really does have like ice in his veins. What about the trajectory of uh, Eagles fans and, and uh, you know, analysts, I guess, uh, on Jalen Hurts, on their feelings from, let's say, where we were at midseason to where we are now? Well, it's interesting because, like, so much has changed for them midseason. And, you know, you hear everybody talk about the fact that, that the Eagles haven't beaten a team with a winning record, which is definitely true. Um, like, there are lots of questions about how good this team is. Now, on, I would I would argue that like they have blown out teams. They're, like their point differential is pretty high. I, I think that's some indication. But what also makes it difficult to parse is that the team is so different than they were the first half of the season, just stylistically. And you know they they went from being the third most pass heavy team in the league the first half of the season to by far the most run heavy team in the league the second half of the season. And you know you wonder what what took them so long given the personnel, uh, but. The flip side is that like we haven't seen this version of the Eagles play a good team yet. So I'm I'm like very interested to see what happens in the playoffs and and part of that is that Jalen Hurts has improved over over time as well, uh partially because the offense has changed to better suit his style. And I I think that that most Eagles fans in their right minds would say that what Jalen Hurts has done has has been probably earned the job for next season. Um, there's no reason to commit to anything beyond that. Um, now, part of that is, you know, they've got these three first round picks, but none of them, you know, they, they, they all sort of uh, are in like the 15 to 25 range. 
Um, and so it's not like they have the full ammunition to to go up and get a quarterback if they love somebody or to you know send it for you know uh, you know a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers type. Not that those guys are necessarily good fits for the timeline of this team. But I think uh, Jalen Hurts has certainly done enough to earn the job for next season. He has done a good job of improving over these first two years. So you hope that he takes another leap next year. And I would I would say that you know internally the Eagles are sort of like hoping that Jalen Hurts follows the Dak Prescott uh, progression, and that is uh, like that's much easier said than done. I think I think you guys would agree that that's that's uh, like an unlikely outcome. But uh, they've they've looked at Dak Prescott as a guy who you know wasn't the key to the offense early in his career, was more of like a, a, a placeholder, and then grew into uh, being much more talented and, and much more able to lead the offense himself. So I think I think that's their like like pie in the sky, wish on a dream outcome. There's some Cowboys fans right now that still feel like that's the case. Uh, but no, anyway, um, sorry. If there was no Twitter, I probably that's wouldn't right. see it. But uh, unfortunately, <laughs> I do. Uh, you mentioned the possibility of playing the Bucks in the first round. Um, what do you think their chances would be against the Bucks? You know, it's tough because, like, their chances against any of these teams are, are probably unlikely. Um, you know, of the four teams that they could play, you know, Los Angeles, Dallas, Arizona, and the Bucks. obviously Tom Brady is the quarterback you would least want to face. Um, they're also like their, their run defense is very good. Them and the Rams both have really good uh, run defenses. So that would be an interesting matchup. But like, if you really want to talk yourself into it, you know, they're, they're uh, depleted at wide receiver, even though they've got Mike Evans, he's got a, a bit of a nagging injury. Um, you know, obviously the Antonio Brown thing, Chris Godwin's gone. So maybe it's a little bit less explosive um, on, on that front. They've got a really good offensive line. So I would worry about that from an Eagles pass rush standpoint. You know, I think either whatever matchup it is, you're sort of hoping that the other team falls flat on their face. And like maybe maybe that happens because it's like a Super Bowl hangover type thing. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it against against Tom Brady. But I would say that for Eagles fans, like if you accept that you're a long shot anyway and you're just thinking like what upset would be the sweetest, they would probably go Dallas one Tampa two because, you know, they, they hate Tom Brady just as much as everybody. Yeah, well, I just think it's interesting because obviously they were the underdogs and they beat right. Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And so you kind of look at it as like, well, maybe, even though right, I know exactly. that they, I You've understand. Got a little juju maybe. Yeah. Right. Well, cause I mean, I understand that I think it was his second Super Bowl. Was that the one they beat T.O.? I think yes. it was his second yes. ring. Yes, that's right. So, I mean, yes. that's a way back. I mean, that's early 2000s or whatnot, but. Right. You're trying to break the tie. Yeah. Yeah. And then also the fact that he just like, at the end of the day, like maybe not in the next 10 years, but maybe like 20 years from now, it's going to be really hard to explain to people like because as you get older as a legend, I believe that your legend just grows. It's going to be really hard to explain to people. Like, so he lost to, he lost, he yeah. lost to this quarterback from the, from the Giants <laughs> oh, twice, yeah. twice in the Super Bowl. Oh, who, who is this legend you speak of? His name's Eli Manning. Um, yeah. and then uh, he, he lost just, to this it, Nick Foles guy. Right. Yeah. And then, exactly. But so maybe there is something there. Who and knows? he didn't just lose to Nick Foles. Like, Nick Foles outplayed him. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, yeah. He, it was crazy. I mean, Tom Brady was great in that game, and Nick Foles was even better. And the other factor it's is wild. too, even though that this game was on the road that I'm speaking of, or maybe it was, yeah, it was on the road. It's not like they played great in their first round game last year, Tampa, when they played Washington. That's like, true. And they kind of just That's let true. Heineke yeah. hang around, and I was just kind of like, this team. It, it was on the road, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
That's true. Cool. That's a Sorry. good point. Yeah, maybe they're maybe they're they're slow going. I think that's there you fine. Go. <laughs> well, and Mike Evans has still been a little banged up. I know he played last week and had a, had a really good game, but then you lose Antonio Brown and uh, Godwin. You also go well. He had some Super Bowls in uh, New New England where he didn't exactly have top right. flight wide receivers. It's almost even like more like heart crushing if you do go get beat to uh, mm-hmm. uh, Brashard Perryman and uh, Scott Scotty Miller and uh, right. Cyril. So, Cyril- Cyril yeah. Gra- Tyler Johnson and Cyril Tyler Grayson. Johnson. He threw it to Cyril Grayson right. the other day. It was like he I, exists. That's a player in the league. I didn't know. And I think uh, you know, I I don't know how much this stuff matters at all, but I would imagine that both the Cowboys and Eagles are hoping that they get to play in that Saturday night game, right? Because then you get one extra day of rest that that might be important since this game got flexed to Saturday. I mean, a tiny little thing, but maybe it's something. Nobody wants the Monday night wildcard game, right? Oh, God, especially the beat writers. <laughs> Can we all agree that's a terrible idea? Yeah, it's bad. I mean, I'm with you. I don't understand why we're doing it. I mean, we're going to get understand why, Eli. Do you understand why they're doing That's why we're doing you it. Want, do you understand why they're doing Saturday night for this Cowboys-Eagles game? Yeah, no. I mean, Well, it's because, <laughs> sure it's because the Cowboys draw, and they didn't want to put on a game that affected any other game. And we, I, I have a, there's a friend of mine who's like very into – uh, the mechanics of the schedule and like what is fair and like he was screaming about this in the beginning that there is no way like there's there's no scenario in which you could put on two Saturday games with playoff implications that don't affect the Sunday games and so they have to pick games that don't really mean anything and so that's why you know it's it's these games where people are just playing for seats. This is college football's fault. If they had a playoff system, they could buy out some of these games and we wouldn't have this weird Saturday night mm. game. I blame it. I blame a lot of things on college football, though. Well, that's on, that's just me. I I, I I personally think uh, for both teams, uh, uh, the Rams to me are a team I kind of want. Um, yeah, I want to. I want to play Matt Stafford too. There's there's some re- yeah. That's one reason, right? And I think the like, NFC is wide open. Yeah. Well, we just saw with Arizona. I think one thing that will stop at least the, for the Cowboys' perspective from like rushing the passer, uh, a quarterback who can move is not great for them. I think Kyler's able, and Kyler's able to escape from anyone. But Jalen Hurts can do that as well, and I think that's a problem. If you have a statue in there like Matt Stafford, I think that's really good for a team like Dallas and other teams who have some decent pass rushing options. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I feel like uh, I feel like the Eagles fans are hoping for Arizona or Los Angeles, um, but uh, it's it's unlikely. I think. All right, Bo, take me to uh, how what was going through your mind. When back when Nick Sirianni described uh, the team growing as a flower and uh, the roots growing in the soil and then take it from there to how you feel about him now as a coach. Is it any different? And just kind of what do you think uh, his long term, uh, I guess, chances are of, of being the coach? It's funny. In, in I mean, they are seven and two since uh, since he said that the uh, the the roots have sprung um, and. It, you're exactly right because that is the time to think about because at that time they were coming off this embarrassing loss in Las Vegas. It was their it was their worst performance of the season. It was really dispiriting because it was coming off of a Thursday night game, so they had you know that mini buy and they really sold that as like we were able to to change some things up and they came out and just lay like just such a stinker. And I think there was a there was a, a scenario in which it did lead to a one-and-done season for Sirianni. Um, we knew that they had this this easy-looking second half of the schedule, um, but the degree to which they've turned things around 
is is crazy. And you know, I, I mentioned it before, but like the complete identity change on offense is is the story of this season um, for the Eagles. And you know, I, I I would still love to know what it is that that took so long. They have talked about that mini buy as when they decided to try to flip that switch. I think they were surprised themselves by by how much it worked. Um, and so after that game and after the flower analogy that he gave, their next game was was in Detroit. And like it's easy to think of now that that was an easy win. I think the Eagles were like three point favorites in that game or something very small, and they went out and won forty four to six. Um, which uh, I don't mean to uh, be as a callback to Cowboys fans. I don't know how much you guys uh, think about that that scoreline, but but Eagles fans do. Um, and and Sirianni has like you know I don't think that he should be coach of the year, but if you just look at how much teams have overachieved versus what their preseason win projection was in Vegas, it's like they're second to the Bengals, um, and it has been a really impressive turnaround. I think the the players. Uh, have responded to him from the beginning. I think that was part of why he felt confident that they could turn things around, and why guys like Jalen Hurts were were pounding that drum early on that that like we're all pulling in the right direction. But at the same time, like after that Raiders loss, Fletcher Cox was basically calling out the defensive scheme, saying that they needed to be more aggressive. So uh, big picture, like I don't buy the defensive turnaround as much as I buy the offensive turnaround, and that's why like the prospect of playing Tom Brady. Uh, or this Cowboys offense in the playoffs is is so daunting for their defense. On your point about forty four to six, I would say forty four six is the worst loss that any of us deal with. Then we've all lived a pretty good life, um, <laughs> Tony. Um, and but but what's the thing you're talking about the transformation of the offense? What is the thing that uh, I know you you can get multiple things, but is it a dynamic runner? Is it help on the offensive line or a dynamic pass catcher? If you could choose one of the three, what helps? take that offense to the next level. I know we're kind of looking out, looking ahead here, but you know, if you could choose one of those three things, what do you think is more needed? I, I think a, a dynamic second receiver is what would make this offense more well-rounded. Um, you know, the offensive line is already very good. You know, they could probably use one more guy there uh, just, just because of injuries. But uh, you know, Jason Kelsey is, is maybe playing his last season. That would be a bit of a blow. Lane Johnson is still playing extremely well. Jordan Mailata is uh, the left tackle and, and is one of the better young left tackles in the league. Landon Dickerson, who they took in the second round out of Alabama, has been really good. And they have, you know, in Jeff Stoutland, an offensive line coach who they believe and has sort of proven to be able to turn anybody into sort of starting quality. Um, as long as Jalen Hurts stay, stays healthy, his just the numbers advantage that he gives the run game makes a huge difference. I think they could use another uh, explosive running back. It's crazy that they like are first or second in the league in rushing, and they don't have a run over 35 yards the entire That's season, uh, which is nuts. Um, but like the passing game is Devonte Smith and Dallas Goddard, and that's it. Like everybody else, you're just hoping gets one or two catches in the flow of the offense. If they had somebody else who could really make the defense respect them, um, I think that would really open things up. Well, there's a guy in uh, Dallas who just tore his ACL that uh, that that could be. I think Eagles fans have been hoping for 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 Michael Gallup all season, um, and so yeah, the, the torn ACL hit them maybe um, as hard as you guys. Uh, I will say the Eagles have like their success in signing players from within the NFC East is heinous. Like there is there is no good example, including this year Ryan Kerrigan, who they paid I think almost six million dollars to. Maybe that maybe that's too much. He has two tackles. 
on the season. Ooh. DeMarco Murray. Miles, Miles, Austin. Miles Austin. Yeah. yeah. Like Steve, the other Steve Smith. It's, it's like they have, there have been no good ones. It's terrible. Kenny Phillips, all these guys. And so like that would maybe make them a little bit oh. nervous, but, but uh, I think they, were, they, they would have had eyes on Gallup at least. Which, uh, which Eagles player would you say has taken the most hate from fans this year? Because for Cowboys, it's probably kicker Greg Zerline. And it just seems like that the Cow- – I mean, I remember there was a time when I felt like Nelson Aguilar got it a lot. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody that's kind of stepped into that role at all? It's Jalen Rager, who was their okay. first-round pick out of TCU. Um, he's had, he had a couple bad drops in the loss to the Giants, including what could have been a game-winning touchdown catch. Uh, it would have been a, a fairly difficult catch, but it, it hit him in the hands. Um, and he has been just, you know, really disappointing relative to his draft class. I haven't looked at the numbers the last couple weeks, but after that, after that Giants game, compared to every player in his draft class, including running backs and tight ends, uh, he was like 24th in receiving yards this season, even though he was the fourth receiver uh, taken. Um, and he's had, he's had, uh, some ball security issues as well, you know, it's like last week he had one carry for negative one yards. That's like not an abnormal game for him. And, uh, you know, he, he's been getting booed a little bit by the fans. And there's been a bit of an antagonism, um, you know, him saying that, that nobody believes in him. But I think Eagles fans are waiting for him to, to show a little something. How much does uh, Justin Jefferson's success factor into that? Hugely. Hugely. I mean, Justin Jefferson was the consensus next player on the board. There's a, there's a, a video of the Vikings draft room reaction when the Eagles yeah. take Jalen like Rager, laughing. Yeah. they're laughing. They're like, I can't believe that we're going to get Jefferson here. And Justin Jefferson has only gone on to be, you know, one yeah. of the best receivers in the entire league. So it's, it is absolutely a part of, a part of that dynamic. You know, here, the guy, you said Zerline, John, but it was Jalen Smith when the year started, and we just <laughs> cut him. But it's like, we're like, man, this we feel sorry for you, dude. Like, Hold up, KT. You want the fans yelling at you? We got to oh, cut yeah. you and let you go on. I was gonna say, yeah. what if what if he was still on the team up till now, and Zerline was kicking like this? But yeah, if Jalen was out there on the field playing, he would still yeah, he would be the number one. But of of the yeah. players that are on the the current Dallas Cowboys roster, I feel comfortable saying it's Greg Zerline right now. Remember when people were saying when Jalen was cut that this was gonna hold Micah back, like he's he's not what? gonna have anyone to follow, you know. And then yeah. immediate, immediately Jalen gets cut and Micah's the best player in the NFL, like almost instantaneously. That was, uh, that's just funny to go. I'm sure we can do some freezing cold takes on some Micah Parsons talk uh, and Jalen earlier in the year. It's funny to see how things turn out. The guy has been on two teams since, uh, since then. So don't worry. He's a giant. He'll be fine. Yeah, it is. Wild. Hey, we talk- oh, speaking yeah. of that, uh, Bo, how long do you, how long do you think it'll be till the Eagles are back on top of this division? Well, I mean things change so quickly, um, you know, and all it takes is an injury. I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if if they won the division next year. Um, like big picture, uh, I sort of wrote about it this week. I mean things change quickly, but I feel like it's a it's a two team division um, until uh, until like the Giants get their next hire right and Washington gets a new owner. Um, <laughs> like those 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 two yeah. organizations are just like so dead in the water every year uh, with with the way that they're they're run. So um, I mean, it just takes a couple wins here and there. I, I, things change so quickly; it wouldn't shock me if it was next season. But I, I don't I don't necessarily think this is like a a team with Super Bowl aspirations next year. You don't think it's like a two or three year uh, uh, there's away from from making noise, or do you think they could do it next year? 
I think they could. I mean, yeah. just because things change so quickly. Um, yeah. And it, it only takes, you know. Because they have an offensive line. <laughs> I mean, that's. Yeah, they you know, got their the lines are steady. Yeah. Um, they've, they've got a lot of holes on defense to fix. Um, but if, like, you know, if you're, if you're, um, if you're wish casting, Jalen Hurts takes a leap. Maybe they, they are able to find another receiver who really helps the offense become a top five offense. I mean, right now they're a top 10 offense right at the bottom. Um, so, like, a, a real leap makes them, you know, contenders to, to, to make some noise. Well, they have a better not. chance. They have a better chance to win the division next year than the Cowboys do anyway, just by the fact that nobody wins this division back. Right, exactly. Years, so. They've got the curse, the hex. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully they suck. I'll tell you, like, they're awful. I mean, Bo, have you lived your, your most of your life in Philly, or where, most of my adult life? Yeah, since okay. I was like twenty-two. So okay, so I've only been down here a little over ten years, and so I had no idea. Let's say even ten years ago just how much of a dumpster fire Washington was. Oh, and yeah. then getting to cover the Cowboys and just kind of... And, 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 and keep in mind, this, and, and this should have been said right off the beginning, because you need to know where the bar is here for me. Like, And I'm from Detroit. And so I'm thinking, like, okay, nothing's going to be worse than the Lions. And so yeah. over this last, like, seven, eight years like of traveling, stuff, I am amazed at just, like, how... And I'm talking, like, from the very bottom all the way to the top, that Washington... I just feel like it's got to be the worst run organization in the NFL right now. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, and it's, uh, I had never been to Detroit, uh, like their stadium until this year, uh, which was Thanksgiving, which was like, I got to spend Thanksgiving away from the kids and right. be in, in Detroit. <laughs> right. Um, and it was like a 44 to 6 blowout. I actually yeah. kind of like that stadium, um, but there was nobody there. Uh, right. And But still, it was Beautiful like, I, I was, it was, it was so much better. Than Washington, it's just I, I agree. Like every level of the organization that has you know Snyder's fingerprints on it is is tainted by those those fingerprints. It's I mean it's it's awful. And I really do feel like from what I've got to see, just again, I, I feel like I've I, I wouldn't say this. I, I don't think if I ever got a chance to visit, visit FedEx several times, and I think that's what's really like hammered at home. Like oh no, it's and then obviously you hear stories too uh, so at the bad. combine and whatever like that. But when you factor all of that in, I'm confident now more than ever that 31 other NFL teams would have had a team name like within a month or two of that change. And I think it's just because oh, of how yeah. poorly run they are. That's why it has taken this long. I'm willing to bet that that February 2nd name change deadline is nothing to do about the name change. And it's more about covering up other stuff. Hey, just, mm. just throwing things out there. Just throwing oh, things out like there. there's a story that's going to... Drops slightly well, before just, that, and maybe, yeah, maybe. But, right. I mean, with them, there's always a story coming out at some it, point. Yeah, what's the best? What's the best stadium you've been, Dubo? Um, I mean, I love going to Lambeau, just because of the the pageantry. That would probably be my favorite one to go to. Uh, best stadium, I kind of like Minnesota. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. That's yeah. Min- awesome. I like Minnesota, Phoenix. I've always really liked. I've never been and, to Phoenix. I'm looking that and, next year. Uh, Atlanta, of course, is is beautiful. Their new stadium. Yeah, I actually like I like Dallas more than Atlanta. I think I would say. Yeah, I mean, you, I'm all about press box views and it's, it's yeah. and clean and, glass. That's really what I'm mostly hoping for. And so, and you haven't been to uh, the new one in LA or or Vegas yet, correct? I did, we did Vegas this year actually. Okay, Vegas what did you was think okay. Of that? Yeah, it was okay. Okay, it didn't like blow me away. It was more like uh, it was cool that it was in Vegas. Okay, um, and then like yeah. just like being part of the strip, sort of. But the stadium itself was it was fine. It was good. 
Oh, because I was wondering. Yeah. If, I thought their stadium, because it's the, one of you know the newest. It's new. That yeah. It, yeah, I thought it was going to be on the level of Minnesota. You don't think it was on that level? No, it wasn't on that level. Okay. What about the uh, SoFi Stadium, John? It's good, but it's not on uh, Minnesota's okay. level. Either. Really? Okay. No. Oh. I mean, it's got. It, I mean, to be honest with you, and I guess this could be being biased because I just feel very fortunate that we covered home games at AT&T Stadium. Yeah. AT&T Stadium closed is like it goes down the rankings. AT&T Stadium completely open, I'll put it against anything. Because that's the thing that, that kills me about like SoFi. It's like it's technically open on the outside, but it's really not because, I don't know. Like, AT&T don't know, Stadium at it. 5 p.m. with the sun just shining right in there. Oh, I was going to – no, I actually – I feel like I, – I meant night game. Like a Monday Night Football game with, with, mm. the, with the roof and doors open, I'll put it up against anything. Uh, but that's the other thing. That's the only thing that hurts Minnesota because I do love how Minnesota, how you can see the city skyline – during the day through the glass, but it's still, at the end of the day, you're still uh, indoors. So far, they try to make it so you, you feel like you're outdoors, but but you're really not. I don't know. It's You know what it's got, Bo? It's got the same type of ceiling that they have in Minnesota's half. Okay. You know how it's got where yeah, you can yeah, see yeah, through yeah. that? That's SoFi's entire stadium, which is, it's fine. I mean, it's it's obviously very, very nice, but uh, when AT&T Stadium opens the roof, which is very few times, they, they rarely do. I just, I'll, I'll put it up against any of them. I'm trying to think if I've been to a Cowboys game in that's it wasn't a night game. I feel like every time yeah. the Eagles go, it's a night yeah. game. Yeah, there must be true. one, but yeah, gotta be some afternoon well, games. Yeah. Before we let you go, Bo, we always take a, a score prediction, even though this game might Oof. mean nothing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just uh, do the thing because we. Well, are you guys are are the are you the Cowboys going to play, guys? Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the plan. I mean, what the way it looks right now, and and the way you said that is exactly how they've been saying it. Like we're going to play to win. Uh, and so, like, they're going to start, like, Dak and Zeke and those guys, but I just, I don't think they're going to play more than, like, the first half, you know? And okay. that makes sense. And, and, and because, and part of the factor is just because they didn't play well on offense against Arizona. I don't think they want to go into the playoffs coming off what they did. So I think they want to get a few series in, but I certainly, I don't expect Dak Prescott to be out on the field in the fourth quarter. Okay, so we're going to get a second half of, of Gardner Minshew and Cooper Rush? Cooper Rush, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I'll then give. I'll say uh, uh, twenty-seven, thirteen, Cowboys. Man, that okay. Gardner Minshew just made me. Th- just thinking about that, maybe makes me change what I was going to say. Cowboys mm. by seven. I think I might pick the Eagles. I forgot he's going to be playing to like he's winning the Super Bowl. So I need yes. to factor this in here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, seriously. Damn, I forgot remember about when, that. Remember when Mark Sanchez came in for the Cowboys against the Eagles at the end of like the last game and was just horrific. And, and you remember that yes, was like the I only do. time he played. I, he was I just do. Awful. I'm gonna go. I'll go, Cow- I'll go Cowboys twenty, uh, Eagles seventeen. I'm doing Philadelphia twenty-one twenty. Cowboys lose as they go for two to try to win the game at the end. Nice. Like Cooper that. Rush throws it into someone's foot. Why wouldn't they just uh, kick the extra point? No, we don't need overtime. Don't want to get guys hurt. Game doesn't yeah. matter. Like he's gonna I'll make go. it. Uh oh, he ain't gonna make it. Uh, it, it was a joke. It was a joke. Uh, Bo, we'll let you go. Then we'll get Sod and Kent's picks on stuff. Bo, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Catch, Bo, uh, catch him on The Athletic, of course, and uh, on Birds with Friends. And go ahead and give out your uh, social media as well, Bo. You can follow me on Twitter at Bo underscore Wolf. That's W-U-L-F. And, uh, yeah, listen to Birds with Friends if you uh, want the Eagles take, although it's mostly just uh, jokes. Watch them on YouTube. <laughs> Their bits are great. Yeah, watch them on there you YouTube. Go. Thanks, Bo. Thanks, guys. All right, man. See you, Bo. There he goes. Uh, Saad, we're going to rope you back in here. Saad, you have a, a score prediction for this week's game? 
Um, yeah, the Gardner Minshew bit really does change the way that you kind of think about <laughs> this. Like, it I'm does. not going to lie. Like, it really does. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Eagles. Tw- I'll go Eagles 24, Cowboys 17. When when you say that, it reminds me of KT getting, getting all fired up about McCarthy saying, no, no half measures, Walt. Well, I can tell you this right now. There's no half measures with Gardner Minshew. No, he is going to be playing. In. He is going to be playing like he is Jonathan Moxon and everything's on the line. Like they're, it's, they're, oh, it's like Danucci vibes. If Danucci was good or decent, I guess, passable. Oh man. Cause Danucci was all in too. It was weird, but he was all in. There was no give up. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Minshew's a a little bit more talented. We're going to say that. Is that fair? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Easily. And I mean, nothing. I'm not taking anything away from Cooper Rush. Like I, I would totally be trying to play Cooper Rush the entire second half, if not more, just because of the COVID factor. Like you might need this guy or injury. And I don't know. Like I thought he played all right. It was pretty solid against the Vikings, like, and he hasn't really played since that game. So Dude, I would be trying to get him some work. Our starting quarterback looks like he's cramping up every time he takes off to run. I wouldn't play him at all this week. But apparently we're going to get out there and find the magic again. Like I, 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 think, I think it's stupid, first of all. I'm not, don't do it. Or are you looking for first quarter deck, Prescott? No. Second and third quarter, Cooper Rush. Fourth quarter, Will Greer. Give me some Will Greer. I'm okay with that. Who cares? But any team that's in the playoffs and you, and, there, and nothing can change with their standings, I guess technically you could say that the Cowboys could improve. Right. Technically you could say that. But, like, uh, if you're a team who's locked in, I, I, like, even, like Green Bay was talking about playing some of their guys. Why? Against Detroit? Did, yeah. he, Dan Campbell literally said he wants his guys to bite ankles. Yeah. Like he literally had <laughs> comments kneecaps. about. The, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I am messing with that. We're, like, we're no, take one kneecap we're out. Good. We're going to take when you're crawling on the ground. We're going to take yeah. the other kneecap out. Yeah. That was a great. One, one other thing I'll mention. They're going to be the Nancy Kerrigan. Oh, geez. Uh, that did happen in Detroit, by the way. Um, Your city's I, got so much. <laughs> one thing. One thing I will add, though. I understand that when the when the Cowboys lost, I I get that most Cowboys fans looked at it as like, well, even if they win their first playoff game, now they got to go through Green Bay. Like, go back and look through any team that's won a Super Bowl. Like, no, no one's gotten through it like the easy way. Like, like you could make an argument. I I still think this team's good. Don't get me wrong. And and if I am wrong, you feel free to correct me. I know, side, you'll jump in on this. You could make the argument that that kind of happened to the Bucks last year in the NBA Finals. The NBA Easter Conference, some people weren't healthy. They probably didn't play the, the hardest schedule that you could possibly get. What NFL team isn't going to—I mean, you're just not going to get there. I mean, KT, when the Packers won it with uh, McCarthy in 2010, did, did they even have a home game that year? No. I don't think they did, did they? Uh, it was at Philly. Uh, it was at Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta was the uh, division, and then it was at Chicago. And yeah, they were, dude, right. dude. They, we, I've said many times. I think uh, that team nearly missed the playoffs. That team right. was the sixth seed, uh, and and then the playoffs were six teams, and they right. got in because of a Deshaun Jackson punt return uh, in New York to put the Giants out of the playoffs in Week 16. That's why I got the Packers in that year. McCarthy's team shouldn't have made the playoffs. 
Cowboys Packers was just inevitable. Like you're just gonna have to deal with it. Sorry, go on. Sorry. Yeah, no. And by the way, just to, just to your, your your example of the Milwaukee Bucks, um, like yeah, they didn't. Uh, you know, they had a relatively quote unquote like you know easy path or whatever. But um, but you look at the internal stuff they faced as well. You know, in terms of the injuries uh, to like Chris Middleton, and it looked like Giannis was almost gone. Like like yeah, I think every team faces it. You don't go through facing the best competition in any sport in a postseason. Just face an easy road. I, I just don't think that happens. Yeah, I think you can get like maybe a one matchup that's really favorable to you. Maybe that maybe that helps in the first round or something like that. But every round you advance, you're not getting any really easy teams in the NFL. I just I just don't yeah. believe that. Yeah. Well, anything else, Kit? Did we get your score? Uh, not yet. I'm. Oh boy. I think, I think this is gonna be a close game. Here comes, an, it, here comes an odd number. I think it ends on a Greg Zerline miss. Touchdown pass. Wait, in on, a sorry. cold <laughs> environment, maybe a windy miss. So I'm going Ooh. Eagles 22, Cowboys 21. We have a chance yeah. to win it, and he misses it. I'm always this disappointed is, when any of your scores don't include 11. Yeah, I know. This needs to be the Corey Clement revenge game, but Zeke's got to get a thousand yards or something. I don't know, man. Man, this would have um, been a huge game for for Rico Dowdle. Gosh. Well, um, Rico gathers. We will, uh, no matter what happens, Him we'll too. be with you guys either uh, either Saturday night or Sunday morning. Uh, whatever happens, uh, you know, John's going to be in Philadelphia. He's going to go watch this thing, right? He's going to keep the egg off man, your face, John. No, I'm yeah. I'm fine with it, man. I love going to Philly. I just you can just tell there's. Like, uh, let me try to think how to describe this. And again, I've only been covering the team since 2010. I've only been going on the road since 2014. So I'm not, you know, season, season, 30-year vet beat writer here. But in my time covering the team, it's not even close that you feel the most hate for the Cowboys in Philly compared to New York and Washington. And it's not even close. So because of that, I always enjoy it because, I mean, and then also in the press box, you're like real low and you get to see some real interesting things. And especially because it's at night, like I'm looking forward to this. So I had a, I was standing on the sideline in New York one time and I had a Giants fan tell me because I had a Cowboys like beanie on that he was going to murder my entire family. Okay. That's okay. okay, That's, that's pretty nuts. But I will say my first, (laughs) my first road trip in the NFL was like, and, and you know, since it was with the radio station, I would fly with the Cowboys and I was on the team bus and it, I think it was back in 2017 or 2018, whatever. Well, I think it was 2016, actually, maybe. Um, but it was in Philadelphia, and and yeah, we got pelted with eggs on the team bus, and and uh, and then once the once the you you know you park in that garage and players got out, like players were just getting a kick out of it too, because you could just hear the fans just heckling them like crazy. And I was like, I actually I think I remember talking to John right after that. I'd be like is this how it is like every single city? And it's like, no, it's just Philadelphia. It's just Philadelphia. The, the one that well, used to be crazy. Remember going to the old Oakland stadium, John, and you oh, had yeah. to like drive the buses through the tailgating lots yeah. basically. And it was just solid middle fingers for, you know, 15 minutes as you're trying to swerve through all these tailgates and all this smoke everywhere, man, it was crazy. They, yeah, they, put- those fans are relentless, man. There was literally a sign from security that said, please keep anything off the windows. Like, they're not even telling the fans to not throw eggs. They're just like, just don't throw them at the window. Like, throw them on the bus, but not on the window. Like, 
that's how nuts they are. Oh, it's quite a it's it. quite a tradition, man. Well, I'm going to celebrate by finishing up season 15 of Always Sunny in Philadelphia tonight to kind of just get my head in the right space. Have a cheesesteak, John, as Jason Garrett would say. Okay. Thank you. Have a cheesesteak. Have a cheesesteak. Have a cheesesteak. Have a cheesesteak. Restart me. Restart me. Um, (laughs) Have a cheesesteak. For Saad Youssef, covering those Dallas Stars who have, uh, you know, been through it. Uh, So I haven't played in a while. They are going to be back at it this week. We'll get Saad back to work. Not that he ever quit. Saad's always working. Come on. Check out Saad's work online and on social media. John, going to Philadelphia. We'll talk to you over the weekend. Thank you so much for what you do on a daily basis. And our producer, Kent Garrison. Also, our special guest, Bo Wolf from uh, Virgin Friends. Thanks to everyone. Everyone have a great week. It's Philadelphia week. We'll talk to you after the game on the next edition of About Them Cowboys. Have a cheesesteak.